Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. Back after a little bit of a hiatus, but we're going to be back and we're going to be doing two episodes a week. The first one, which you're listening to right now, is going to be available for free on Apple, Spotify, all the usual platforms where you get podcasts. The second one, which is coming out later in the week, is going to be exclusively for paid subscribers to the Rose Garden Report website and newsletter, which you can go to rosegardenreport.com and subscribe to and sign up for. To bring it back, he was a guest on the first ever episode of this podcast back in uh, June of 2022. He was the last guest before we went on hiatus. Figure this is always the guy we want to check in with, Eric. You guys all know what's up, Eric. What's going on, dude? Uh, happy to be back on on the the new and improved. Uh, we hope uh, Rose Garden Report podcast. Uh, very excited to be back, uh, and also excited to talk Blazers. You know, I mean, I'm always I'm always down to talk Blazers. I'm always you know, uh, and and get into what what's happening. Although it's you know not <laughs> hasn't been hasn't been the most fun uh last 20 th- days or so ever since the ta- the calendar turned to 2024 but uh you know uh still still here to chat and and still here to kind of break down what's going on and see what see what uh the future may hold and kind of talk about what we've been seeing and and also for me to ask you some questions cuz you know you've been at a lot more games recently than I have so uh I think this is a great great time for all of that so the last episode that we recorded was on November 29th. That was the last episode of the podcast. So since then we have had, and I'm just going through the calendar here. We've had the, you know, the blowout loss to the Mavericks, uh, loss to the close loss to Golden State, a uh, couple of different close losses to Golden State. They, the, some of these losses early on were like, uh, you know, they, they, they were losing, but we were still talking about like, Hey, they're competing and they're, you know, they're in all these games. And then, you know, they had the win against Phoenix where Shaden Sharp gets hurt. And then they have the loss to the wizards where they're down 18 and come back against the Washington wizards. We had the Wemby scoot back to back games where, uh, Ibu Baji plays. And then also Wemby just embarrasses them. And then you have the road trip from hell where they lose six out of seven they lose all six of those games by 20 or more points. And then the vibes have gotten a little bit better in the last week when they've been home, where it's been, you know, they had the loss against the Suns where none of their main guys basically played because they were all injured. And then you had the back-to-back wins against the Nets and the Pacers. And then we're kind of right back to where they were with the road trip, with this new road trip where they just had a completely just no-show performance last night against the Lakers. So we had the DeAndre Ayton ice thing which i'm sure you you want to talk about i'm sure we've got some takes on that we've got some remix stuff i mean we've just we've got you know ibu baji making his nba debut which is like a fun actual feel-good story we've got just you know the taze Moore era beginning last night with the 10-day contract we got the trade deadline coming up there's just like there's just a lot going on and most of it isn't good no most of it is not good um here's some stats for uh the listeners Please. Um, since January 1st, the Blazers have the worst point differential in the league at minus 25 points per 100 possessions. That is their net, that is their net rating, negative mm-hmm. um, 25. The next closest team is Charlotte at negative 15. So there's a 10-point buffer <laughs> between where the Blazers have been and the, and the second worst team in the league. So 
you know, for, I, I tweeted about this a couple weeks ago when the Blazers were on the road and they had the road trip of hell. I was like, I don't want to hear anybody talking anything about the, oh, they could be the Pistons. The Pistons have been better than the Blazers over the last month of the season. And it's not even close. Like, it, 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 like the fact that there's a 10-point gap between where the Blazers are and the 29th-ranked team in point differential is horrible. And, um, you know, I thought those two wins at home, it was just nice to kind of break it up. I thought they played better against Phoenix, like you said, when they didn't have their main guys. But I thought, you know, you wrote a column after uh, the Minnesota loss, the last game of that road trip, about how the Blazers should not be this bad. Right. And I found it interesting – when you wrote about that and you pointed out a lot of the statistical indicators like about like playing harder on defense, moving the ball more, uh, all the things that the in the preseason press conference that Joe Cronin said he wanted this team to be, and I think what, and what Chauncey Billups has said he wanted this team to be, they were not making good on at all. But I did find it interesting that since you wrote that column, in the four where you pointed out that they were 26th in the league in passes per game. Mm -hmm. So they were not moving the ball. Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, they can't shoot. So that's how you're going to have a bad offense, but they're also not doing any of the other things that can help you make up for maybe a lack of shooting in moving the ball more, trying to swing the defense over and, and moving the defense to create creases. So you can attack the rim. And I found it very interesting. They, in the four games since that column that you wrote, they are top 10 in passes per game now. And and I, I find that very interesting that as, as soon as you wrote that, all of a sudden they're starting to move the ball a little bit more. And, I mean, the Pacers game, they didn't even shoot any threes. And they still won that game. That was one of the craziest games I've ever seen just in terms of the three-point disparity being what it was and the team that it was not in favor of winning. I couldn't believe it. And it was like, they've got Halliburton and Siakam back. And Siakam looked really good in that game, by the way, in his first game with the Pacers. That was the first game he played since the trade. He did look good, but Jeremy in that game looked a little bit better. Um, Jeremy's which... been really good lately. I just saw the, you know, when, when they uh, they announced the Eastern and Western Conference Players of the Week, as they do on Monday every week. And then mm -hmm. they announce who the other nominees were, which is just, you know, the, just so people know, even like the voters, the media people who vote on the awards at the end of season don't vote on player of the week. The league office just gives it to somebody. So I don't know who it is at the league office that just picks the nominees. It picks the runners up. But Jeremy was one of the runners up this week, which I think like for this Blazers season, you kind of just uh, hang a banner every time one of their guys, like I think like, like Shaden Sharp has been nominated or gotten an honorable mention for player of the week a couple times. That's kind of the, the small victories you look for this season, but yeah, Jeremy is right, you know, right in there right now. Yeah. And, and I will say another thing, you know, as, as hard as I've been, and I think as hard as a lot of, of us have been about, about Chauncey Billups, I thought, you know, I do think putting Jabari and Jeremy together in the starting lineup to have Jabari's rebounding kind of supplement Jeremy's kind of lack of rebounding at the four. And, you know, cause he hasn't, he just hasn't grabbed a lot of rebounds this season. It's just for a guy at his position, he just doesn't, uh, it's just a, you know, that's an objective fact, but, right. uh, and I think that those two complement each other really well. And I also have to say like, maybe it's for showcase reasons, 
but also it's just better for the team, I think, to have Scoot come off the bench. Like, I think it's I think it's better for and I think it's also better for his development to have positive moments to build off of. Like, if he's gonna play better off the bench, I think it's better for him to have some po- more positive moments to build off of to keep stacking good moment after good moment after good moment because it was hard. And I think him and Ant, I think there have been moments where they've looked pretty good, but in general, that's just not going to work right now. And I, I think having, or at least as to start games, and as, as long as you have Brogdon, you might as well use it to at least make your team a little bit more respectable. Like they're not going to suddenly play their way into the play-in zone. And they're also not going to be bad enough, I don't think, at least in terms of wins and losses, to make up any ground on the bottom four, even though they're worse statistically, you know, with the net rating than all of those teams right now, they won enough games at the start of the season that there's just no way they're going to catch Washington, Detroit, uh, you know, Charlotte, San Antonio, even, even though San Antonio got a, you know, they've been getting some wins here and there for a change, but they're not going to win many games with that roster that they have outside of Wemby. Yeah, and I, you know, to your point about uh, Scoot coming off the bench, I think, I mean, because so right now they've been, you know, for the last week or so since they got back from the from the uh, road trip, they've been starting Anthony Simons and Malcolm Brogdon as their two guards. And Chauncey said after the Brooklyn game when he made that change that he was originally going to do that. Um, on the road trip, but wanted to wait until they got home to do it. And originally the plan was for Shaden to get that, you know, to replace Scoot in the starting lineup alongside Ant. But then Shaden got hurt in the Oklahoma City game. And so now he's out for at least one more week. So today's, but just just for some housekeeping on the Shaden thing, today is Monday. A week ago Monday, the team announced that he was going to be reevaluated in two weeks with the abdominal strain. So one week from today is the next time we should be getting some sort of update from the team about where Shaden is at. Cause that's when they're going to do the next MRI. I don't know whether that means he's going to be ready to go right then. I would kind of doubt that because usually when somebody is reevaluated, especially when it's a, you know, core muscle injury where they haven't really been able to do much, he's going to have to do a little bit to get back in shape. But point being, let's assuming Shaden is back in the next, you know, few weeks, let's say. I think that they're probably, and most people around the league and most stuff you've read from people in market and out of market and heard and everything else agree with this. I think it is very likely that Malcolm Brogdon is not going to be a member of the Portland Trailblazers on February 9th, the day after the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean... And I think that after that that happens, if Shaden is healthy it should be Ant and Shaden starting the rest of the season. And if Shaden is not healthy and they don't trade Matisse Thibel, which I think that one could go either way, depending on what their offers are. And you also have to remember that Matisse, because he was a restricted free agent who signed an offer sheet that they matched, he has the ability to veto trades for the first year. So I don't know if he's going to get traded or not, but that would be the other guy that I think there's a chance gets moved besides Brogdon. But if he's still here after the deadline, and Shaden isn't healthy, I think they should start Matisse alongside Ant to keep bringing Scoot off the bench. Because I think just for the rest of the season, that's been better for him and it's been better for his development. And I think long-term, they obviously still view him as a starter, but 
it doesn't have to be this year. And I think it's better for him if it's not just based on what we've seen in each of those roles. Yeah. I mean, he's 19 and the, the, the track record of 19 and 20 year old point guards that are not named Kyrie Irving is not very good in terms of their productivity level, their efficiency. Like Kyrie was kind of a one of one at 19 years old, like, and, and came 1920, like that, which is the year that Scoot is in right now. Like you look at, other guys in their first year, you know, I was looking at other statistical profiles of like Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, uh, you know, guys that, you know, they're not great shooters, but they can kind of defend. They do a lot of other things where like you could maybe convince yourself Scoot could be in that mode. They didn't have good statistical seasons either when they were young players. So I think you you do have to give, give them some patience. And also, I don't think in any, in either of those situations, they had a guard as good as Anthony Simons in front of him. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, the Blazers have to kind of like think about here is like Simons development in this role is also important because Scoot isn't the only one developing. Ant is getting double teamed every night, having to deal with this new kind of coverage that he's never really had to deal with. And so learning how to play with that, is important and he's still really young so you know i think his development is also very important and just and just like scoot and shaden's is and i think the other thing too that trading brogdon will help it will probably it will make the team less competitive you have to say that we have to get that out of the way but but you need sample you need to increase the sample size on the data set to know what you have with shaden with Ant and with Scoot all together or which one you want to keep because I know that that timeline is going to be coming and people are going to start wondering which one and and maybe you can keep all three but you know I I do think it's going to be something that down the line they're going to have to figure it out and if they don't have data of them playing playing together which combination works the best and I also think too you know like I we all I think there's been a lot of people like going hard about scoot going hard about ant and Shaden has all of the talent in the world and he shows how great he can be but i do think that also the potential that maybe what he's not what what if he's not the one of one of the star pillars long term i think it has to be something in portland's mind because we've seen guys that can soar and shoot and be great like but that they could be kobe they could be J.R. Smith. And it's like, and, and, and I think that I'm not saying that Shaden is either one right now, but I do, I do think you have to keep an open mind about, about everybody and, and, and be constantly evaluating. And I think Shaden and Ant makes most sense as the right lineup. But I think moving forward, who knows what, what the combination is going to be. And I, and I think you need to, them to play to know that. Yeah, and I think it's really just up. It's it's up for grabs right now, and I also think that the Blazers don't have, or I'll say this, none of those three guys have done enough to separate themselves and make you think, oh, this is definitely the guy. Like, in the way that, uh, you know, this is like an extreme example, but a guy that Scoot got compared to before the draft, but like, after John Morant's rookie year, and especially into his second season, you're just like, oh yeah, this is a guy. Like, this is going to be one of your franchise's building blocks. Scoot has not been that good. Shaden has not been that good. Ant has not been that good. Like, 
any one of these three could be the odd guy out. And it's kind of too early to say which of the three it's going to be. I don't think they're going to really have to make that decision until probably the end of next season. I think they're going to go the whole, you know, next season. And then, you know, cause then, then it comes to like Shaden being extension eligible and Ant coming up on the last year of his deal. And then you, then you kind of have to figure out, you know, who you want to pay, who you don't want to pay. And, you know, then you, you know, you see what Scoot did in year two, if he was, if he made a leap from kind of where he is now, I think they're going to go all of next season. I think they can afford to go all of next season with those three and see which of them they have. But the point is the success of the rebuild long-term is hinging on at least one of those three guys has to be the guy and has to be good enough to be worthy of being the guy that you're, you know, building the whole thing around. And so far, you know, you know, they have, I think you kind of take for granted, they had that for 10 years with Damian Lillard or really 11 years, but you know, his rookie year was kind of still the Marcus's show and he was like finding his way, but it was pretty clear pretty early on that Dame was a guy. And obviously his development curve was a little bit different because he came out of college, a four year guy and was 22 and was a little bit more developed than any of these three guys were when they first got into the league. But one of those three guys has to be somebody that they look at and say, this is a guy. And I, and I think Ant is, Ant is right now, obviously, he's the closest to being that. I would like agree. he, but, but we have to have the caveat that like it, he still has so much growing that he's got to do to be the guy. And I think it's like, like the notion that I, you know, that people have been saying like, oh, you know, they're going to shut him down to lose games. It's like, hey, they don't need to shut him down right. to lose games. They're already losing with him as the main guy, as the, the star player. And like, and I think he, he's, he's great. And I think he has all the tools, but you know, part of that growth is the consistency and he has the best stats, but he also has, you know, I feel like his hot and cold like it's either the inferno or he's not doing anything sometimes. And it's like, you know, he, he can go off for 38 and then he can score seven points. And it's like, if you're going to be the guy on a consistent basis, you, you know, you want that guy to have a little bit more consistency on a night to night basis. And I think he's shown the highest ceiling of those three guys so far, uh, just because of what he's able to do. And he has shown the most consistency of those three guys, but I think, as a guy moving forward. And then also you talk about, you know, salary cap and all that stuff. Like he's gonna, it's gonna cost a lot of money to keep him too. And and I think I, not that he's not worth it, but I do think it's a real, it's something that you have to keep your mind open about. And I don't think it's this slam dunk thing that like, you know, that it, it, he, he has a lot of the same tools and what sometimes when you, he's got it going, it, it is kind of like watching Dame. But it's not quite the same. Dame was doing that I, every night. Ant's doing that like every three nights. That's kind of the difference. Yes. And I think that that's important to note and it's something to be honest about. And I think he has it in him. He has the ability. I mean, that that game against uh, Brooklyn, you know, where he, he kind of took he took that, you know, he's got the big shot ability. He's not afraid of it. He can make it happen. I mean, he's done it multiple times before. And I think, you know, if, if I had to pick today, I'd, I'd say, yeah, okay, you know, roll with Simons. But I, I do think that the, it, it is something that no one has really, to your point, I don't think anyone has, of the young players, has just slam dunked themselves and been like, you know what, that guy 
is a franchise player. And I think that's what you're looking for in the rebuild, as you said. And then if that's not, if it's not one of those guys, it's got to be whoever they get in one of the next two drafts. And, you know, we're, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. In a couple of hours, I'm going over to Child Center to see the first of two, and I'll be at the second one as well, but the first of two games that the Rip City Remix are playing against the G League Ignite, which have at least two, you know, the two you hear about kind of in that top five range are Ron Holland and Matas Buzelis. And I'm not going to act like I've, watched a ton of G League Ignite games. So this is really going to be my first time seeing these guys in person. But whoever they draft, whether it's one of those two guys or whether it's like Alex Saar or, you know, there's there's so many different guys that, you know, you get thrown around. There's not a Wemby in this draft, I don't think. And no, I think like next year, you know, looking looking ahead to 25, Cooper Flag is the guy that you keep hearing. And we're going to actually get to see him here in Portland in a couple of months when he plays at the Nike Hoop Summit. But like, if it's not one of these three guys, it's got to be somebody. And it's got to be somebody that they draft. So unless one of these three guys pops and you're just like, this is the guy that you're building around, you have to just keep chasing that guy in the draft. So this could, unless they really hit on one of these guys, whether somebody they already have or somebody that they draft in one of the next couple of years, this could take a while. It could. And that, and I think that's the, the scary thing for like a lot of people, you know, that want the Blazers to be competitive. And frankly, you know, uh, outside of, a, you know, a brief period in, in the mid 2000s where it was about three or four years where they were not where they were really bad. But, you know, even those teams, they had Zach Randolph on those teams. Right. Zach Randolph was was a dude, you know, and, you, and people knew that he was a dude. And and uh yeah, it, it finding those guys, and I, and I think, you know, Ant is the closest that they've got right now to, to that building block. But they're, they're going to – they still have so much time to see what they got with Scoot, what they've got with, with Shaden, and I think moving Brogdon becomes even more important to that point um, so you can see what you really have and so those guys can develop. Uh, but Holland, I have seen him, and – he was great. He was like the MVP of the Hoop Summit game that I saw because I, I was there for the game and he was awesome. Uh, but the, you know, it, I'm excited to hear what you think of him when you go see him tonight um, because uh, he might be a little undersized for like a center type guy, but maybe he can be, you know, maybe he can be like an undersized type of big uh, who, who just kind of plays to his strengths. But uh, I, I am interested to see what happens with this draft. And I think, yeah, this draft and the next one, obviously the Cooper flag draft. And again, if they trade Malcolm Brogdon, they, I mean, they have a really good chance to be, re- and if the draft is really what a lot of people say, where it's not a very good draft, they will have a very good chance of being in the Cooper flag sweepstakes next year, because they're going to be really bad again. Yeah, exactly. I think that I think you're looking. I got a mailbag question uh, that I'm gonna that's gonna come out uh, later in the week on RoseGardenReport.com, which you should go subscribe to, by the way, if you have not. But uh, I got a, I got a question about like what is the timeline of the rebuild and how long do they want to be doing this? And my default answer has always been at a minimum it's going to be this year and next, and that's if everything hits. You know, you're talking about you know, the team that they're playing tomorrow, that, you know, by the time this is out, uh, it'll be the day of this game, but the team that they're playing tomorrow, Tuesday is Oklahoma city, which is like the extreme example that you can look at as a team that was absolutely terrible and tanked and bottomed out for two years. 
And, you know, they, they, they got lucky that, you know, they basically had the Clippers over a barrel and that Paul George trade were able to get SGA plus, you know, all the picks that they got. And then when they had lottery picks, you know, they drafted Chet, who's been awesome so far. Like he's, you know, I, you know, I think long-term Wemby's still a better prospect, but he's going to, Chet's going to win rookie of the year and he will deservedly win rookie of the year. So that's a guy. They drafted Jalen Williams last year, who's a guy. And even this year, like a guy like Cason Wallace, who, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of similar to me. Not, they're not the same player, but like a guy like a Jabari Walker or a Tumani Kamara, like he's, he profiles as one of those, like the minute he steps into the league, you can tell that he's going to have a 12 year career as a role player. Like they hit on all of these guys that they drafted and they're all, you know, getting, you know, coming into their own at the same time. And now, you know, there's all this talk about like, Oh, do the thunder need to make a trade to add somebody at the deadline? They kind of don't need to for right now because the guys they have are so good. And now you go from, you know, they were terrible for two years. Then last year they were in the play and they lost in the play in, but at least they were competitive enough to be in the play in. And then this year they're, you know, by the end of the year, they're either going to be the second or third or, you know, but they're going to be a top three team in the West and they're going to be looked at as a team that has a good chance of making the Western Conference Finals. That is the extreme example of like doing a two-year bottoming out and then you're right back in the mix. I don't think you can say that the Blazers are going to be on that end of the timeline because I don't think any of the guys that they have or any of the guys in this coming draft are as good as SGA or Chet. But... Also, yeah. like, you know, you, you, you want it to be more of like the two to three year, you know, timeline to getting back being competitive as opposed to like, I don't know what, you know, what the magic were after they traded Dwight Howard 10 years ago. And now you're, you know, they made the playoffs as an eight seed a couple times in there, but like only now we're talking about like 12 years after the Dwight Howard trade. Now we're finally starting to talk about Orlando as like, Oh, they've got Paolo and Franz and Jalen Suggs and kind of this up and coming thing. And now they're a team that's going to be good for a few, for years to come. Like we're, it took a decade literally for them to get to that point. Yes. And, and a decade of, of being bad of, of barely making it the eight seed. And, and I want to add to your Oklahoma city point that like you have to hit in the draft you also have to hit on your trades. Like your trades have to be good. Like SGA, they got him in a trade. They didn't draft him. They got him in the in the Paul George trade. Isaiah Joe is a dude that they picked up off the scrap heap after the Sixers cut him. Uh, they were able to get uh, Michich in the Al Horford salary dump deal when they when they dumped him on Oklahoma City's books. And, and so they were able to like go about it several different ways which is what you have to do as a small market team like you know i i've got a lot of people being like okay we you, you don't have to sell portland to you and me we love portland we live right. here we know it's a good city we know it's got you know great restaurants amazing summers and we also know that when guys come here at a certain point they a, a lot of the best players in blazers history end up liking it for the most part they don't hate it they, a lot of them stay here it's a good place to be but the fact of the matter is is the getting them in the door is the hardest part and if you don't get them in the door via trade via free agency where you know may, maybe someone where, where someone gets cut like a second draft type of guy and right. not the second draft where it's like you know the the old Olshay way where it was like just taking anybody Mario who Hizonia. was you know Mario Hazonia types like you have to make good choices with those types of strategies and that's the game that the Blazers are playing right now. And, and I think it extends from everyone that's currently on the roster 
that is that evaluation is, is should be happening all the time um and i think is going to be something that's going to evolve and it's going to happen with the draft it's going to happen with trade opportunities to maybe potentially take back a you know a salary on a player that maybe you don't want long term but someone attaches something to it that can become a different, you know, a, a, a guy down the line. I mean, that's how Oklahoma City was able to get uh, Jalen Williams, if I recall correctly. Uh, they were able to get him as a, a you know, an, an additional draft pick piece in a trade. And then they get this guy who's now, you know, their third best player. And in crunch time, you know, he's the number two guy right behind SGA to make things happen. And so, um, and, and and you you need that. And, 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 and I think, that's the game that the Blazers are playing right now. And it's like to, to find, or even like in Minnesota, to find an Anthony Edwards. Like there, there are other examples of, of teams where Oklahoma city is the one that everyone comes to mind, but there's, there's so many other ways to do it. And, but you know, getting lucky in the draft and, and picking the right guy is, is the number one way, but there's multiple ways where you can do that. And that's why I'm really interested to see what they do at the trade deadline where, you know, as we've talked about, I think it's very likely they trade Brogdon. I have reported and others have reported, I don't think they're going to move Grant. But that like Matisse Thibel, I think is a possibility depending on what they get and if he can be, you know, agreeable to being moved or what the offers look like. I think with him, like they'd be happy to keep him if they don't get an offer, but they also are not closed off to it. I think, I think Brogdon is clearly, you know, it's, it's not quite as clear cut as Josh Hart last year where everybody knew they were going to trade him because they couldn't resign him. But I think it's pretty likely Brogdon gets traded, but I'm going to be interested to see what the deal looks like because what they did at the deadline last year and what their roster looked like post deadline, you know, especially once they started shutting down like Dame and Jeremy and Ant and Nurkic and, you know, all their guys, the only guy on the roster that they were playing towards the end of the year that they really felt like, okay, this is a guy that we have going forward that is going to be one of the guys we build around are is uh Shaden Sharp. This year, it's like they've got Scoot, they've got Shaden. Let's, for the sake of argument, say that Ant is one of the guys that gets shut down. I agree with you that he shouldn't be, but let's say that he is. Let's put him, Jeremy, and DeAndre Ayton in that category. They're going to want to still be giving minutes to Baji. They're going to still want to be giving minutes to WAP. They're going to still want to be giving minutes to Tamani Kamara, to Jabari Walker. They're going to want to see their two guys that they drafted this year, Chris Murray and Rayon Rupert. Murray, by the way, has looked pretty good when he's actually been able to get on the floor. And then Rupert hasn't really done much in the NBA, but he's been playing well in the G League. So that's a guy they want to... Like, that's already six or seven guys that they already feel solid about as far as, you know... They, these are guys that they are committed to developing and that they want to develop and they think could be, you know, a part of what they're doing in the future. So it's not like they can really take, let's say, you know, a Cam Reddish or a Kevin Knox who is just like a, a like you know, a lottery ticket and it's like, hey, let's throw this guy out there for 30 minutes a game and see if it works out like they were doing last year. I think last year when they did their deals at the deadline, they knew that Matisse Thibel was a guy that they wanted to re-sign and that he was going to be a productive, you know, a piece that they were going to try to build around and try to keep. They knew, they didn't feel that strongly about Reddish or Knox. They did those deals for the picks and were just like, sure, these guys are former lottery picks. Let's take a flyer on them. Let's see if it works out. And then in both cases, it didn't work out. I don't think they're really as much in the business now that they kind of have a group of young guys that they want to keep looking at and keep developing. I don't think they're really as much in the business of 
we don't know if this guy is a guy, but you know, let's throw a dart. And they're more in the business of we want to bring in more young guys and more guys on this age timeline that we feel more strongly are going to be a guy. Yes. And, and guys that kind of fit, you know, I do think, you know, one thing that I do think Cronin has shown that he, you know, wants to value more. And, and I think via Mike Schmitz as well with his scouting, you know, you look at Kamara, you look at Jabari Walker, they want to not, they don't want to be, they don't want to build a team that's 28th in defense anymore. Like, even though their team is horrible defensively right now, because they're horrible everywhere. I think the vision for the team is that they're not going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the league and yet pretend that they're a playoff contender. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I do think they want to to try and build off that. And, you know, you, you, New York, obviously, um, I'm not the biggest Quentin Grimes fan, but he's been playing for Tibbs. You know, maybe you can convince yourself he'll defend. Um, I look at Orlando who, you know, when – They've been in reportedly in the mix for Brogdon. Right. I remember when I was at a couple Blazer games, the Magic had scouts there, and I my third eye was wide open after that. I was like, oh, or and and also I watch a lot of Magic games. Like Markel Fultz is hurt all the time on a minutes restriction. Uh, Cole Anthony, really good backup guard, not maybe exactly who you would want to play next to Paolo and Franz. And I think Brogdon shoots it well enough that he can be a floor spacer as well as a setup guy for those dudes. And so you look at someone like Chuma Okeke for Orlando, who is a big, strong, really good defender, three-point shot. You know, it looks a little weird, but it's been okay. Um, Caleb Houston, maybe not the best defender, but I think he might've played his way out of a potential trade just because, you know, Orlando needs some spacing and he gives it to them and he's about six, eight, and he's really good at shooting. But, you want guys that, you know, that can fit around the timeline and also that you think maybe have potential, maybe even, you know, and I think Portland too, for this year's draft, you know, they've got two picks for the first round already. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know how many more picks in this draft that they really are going to want. I would agree. So I, I think if you're going to trade Brogdon, you're going to be looking for what we just said, one of those type of young players, and maybe you can get a second round pick or something out of it, but maybe, or, 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 or maybe you get a first, I don't know. But like, I think, I think the priority should be a first and a guy that they actually think could be something on the team in the future, as opposed to what you said last year, which the Josh Hart trade was just the pick was it. And everything that you got in addition to the pick was garbage. So like, I, I think, or in terms of just like stuff that they didn't want to keep long-term, not to say anything that right. those guys are, you know, but no, Cam Reddish has been okay with the Lakers. He's, you know, stuck around, but yeah, he has, but he's also, he went from starter to getting benched already. And it seems like Laker yeah. fan, Laker fans are already sick of the Cam Reddish experience. Funny, funny enough. I think Kevin Knox has actually been pretty solid for the, for the, for the Pistons. Um, he's actually been okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think that that's the route that they should go. Um, but I, I don't think that they should be like, you know, I, I, I think they need to have their mind open. It can't just be about just picks, although picks, you know, using the Oklahoma city model, you have more tickets, that's more chances to win. Um, and, and I think that's part of the process as well is just maximizing your opportunity to get a guy.
how did you personally do with the ice? Because we have to talk about, you know, the biggest the biggest story among the, on the Blazers this season, the DeAndre Ayton uh, ice adventure. Uh, I mean, the ice, we were okay for the most part. We lost power for a couple of hours, um, but actually got it back relatively quickly, which, you know, was a blessing. I know a lot of people didn't have power for, you know, three, four, five days at, you know, if some people that I know uh, that, that lost their power for that long. Um, and luckily, you know, we, we did the classic, you know, we did a bunch of grocery shopping before the storm came. And so we had the hunker down we, and we, and we hunkered, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, didn't, didn't leave the crib that much though, to be honest with you. So um, that, you know, you got a little stir crazy, but, but it was nice to, but ultimately we had power, we had our entertainment, it was warm. So I can't really complain about any of the, any of that stuff. But uh, I do know that in a lot of places, particularly where Aiden lived, like, or that, it was really bad and a lot of snowplows couldn't get there. Uh, you know, and, and things also just, they, they were, they stuck around for a while. I mean, I went shopping like late last week and still around my car, it was very slick, very treacherous, you know, just to get into your car. Um, and, and so it, it was pretty nasty, man. Um, I definitely want to buy some of those like spikes that you can attach to your shoe for next time because i feel like that's something but i mean the Aiden thing that's just i mean i don't i don't blame him for not for not wanting to risk it especially coming off an injury he tears his acl coming off of the you know going down his driveway to get into his car it's the blazers big man curse it's not he was so brave for trying to get to the game no yeah and also it's like Aiden has been you know he he's, hasn't been hasn't had a great season, okay? But like he's an easy target. He's an easy target, and and it's yeah, he's an easy target because of the Devin Booker stuff, and, and the way that they talked about him, and uh, you know, and, and also the Blazers being horrible doesn't help his reputation either. Um, even though he wasn't playing for you know the road trip from hell, but right. Uh, so yeah, he he's definitely an easy target for sure. But the takes were kind of wild. And again, you know, what people in the Midwest and Canada do not understand is that in your flat ass cities, it, it's not the same when the ice comes as when it happens in Portland, which is like somewhere between Seattle and San Francisco in terms of how hilly it is. You know what I mean? Like it, it does and, and it doesn't ever snow like that in San Francisco. And that's also just like the ice, like snow is one thing. This ice is like actually dangerous. So I like, I was walking from the parking lot across the street from the Moda Center where we park. This is the Wednesday game against Brooklyn, which is the one that he missed. But the drive over was actually fine from my apartment. I was walking from the parking lot to the media entrance, which is by the loading docks. And mm-hmm. I slipped and fell three different times on that, on that walk. That's like a, you know, two block walk. And I was, I mean, I was fine. I wasn't hurt or anything, but it's like, I'm not seven feet tall and I'm not coming off of a knee injury. I, you know, if I, if I tear my ACL, 
it sucks and I'm going to have to, you know, deal with, you know, getting surgery and doing physical therapy or whatever. But my entire job isn't based on my ability to play basketball competitively. So it's not that big a deal if that happens. Whereas if something like that were to happen to him, like, is that really the, uh, you know, that is that really what you want to be, you know, doing or, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think if it was any player other than DeAndre Ayton that this happened to, I don't think people would have reacted the way that they did. And some of the takes that I saw were like, there was like the one on like zombie Deadspin where they like talked about how like Joe Cronin is a fraud who only got the job because Neil Olshay was canceled. And it's like, okay, if you want to make a Neil Olshay was canceled argument in 2024, you can go ahead and do that if you want to. And then there was the, the awful announcing one that tried to bring Brooke into it, which is like, okay, they, I know where Brooke lives. They do not live near each other at all. Like it's not just because she was able to get to the game. Doesn't mean everybody in every other part of the Portland Metro area also has to be able to get to the game or that should get to the game. And I don't know. I just saw a whole lot of people who don't live here opining on how the weather conditions are here. And everybody, I haven't talked to a single person within the Portland city limits who has the opinion of, oh, well, he was just being soft. He should have come to the game. Everybody here was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was weird for the rest of the country. It wasn't that weird to me or to any of us. And and I think it, yeah, I'm glad it's over. I did see that Jalen Williams, uh, J-Dub, uh, oh, yeah. had, a, had a tweet being like, dang, like, this ice is no joke. Like, I, I see where Aiton was coming from uh because yeah i mean it's 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 super treacherous it's scary like yeah it's you don't have your balance no matter how good a balance you have you could still eat it um and yeah and being a seven footer when a seven footer hits the ground it's it's a lot more impactful than a regular person slipping and falling on the ground um and also a guy that he grew up in the bahamas Mm -hmm. moved to san diego then moved to Phoenix and played the first, you know, what, six years of his career in Phoenix? After playing in high school in Arizona and playing in college at University of Arizona. Yeah. So he hasn't really he... lived in a whole lot of cold weather climates. No. So so I'm I'm not going to judge DeAndre Ayton for, A, not being able to manage the snow or get out of the snow or even having a, a car that was built to get out of the snow because – he definitely did. He definitely, you know, like a lot of, these I know guys- what kind of car Deandre Ayton drives. It is not a car that's going to do well in ice. You know what? Here, here's the other part of it. So Chauncey Billups sits down for his pregame, uh, media availability on Wednesday and just says, you know, before I answer questions, I just want to, uh, tell everybody out there, all the fans to stay safe because this is unlike anything I've ever experienced. So just be careful out there. So here's where Chauncey Billups has played during his playing career. He played in Boston, which is a cold weather city in the Northeast. He played in Toronto, which is a very cold weather city. He played in Minnesota, which is very cold. He played in Detroit, which is very cold. He played in Denver, which is very cold. And he grew up in Denver. He grew up in Colorado, yes. And he played in New York. So that's six cities, or five five or six cities that he played in during his playing career that get a lot colder, a lot more regularly than this. And he sat up there and said, everybody who was thinking about coming to this game tonight should be careful and stay safe because this isn't any like anything I've ever seen. So uh, 
I, you know, that should kind of tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah. The, the takes were out of control. I'm glad Aiden's back with the team, um, you know. Although, I will say, man, that Laker game last night. That was rough. Was, that was a rough watch, man. Because the Lakers, the Lakers didn't even look like they cared at all. Like, they, they were they were walking their way to a 20-point win. And the Blazers like effort by comparison was also like pretty bad. And it was like, it felt like there was like a fire lit under them for those first couple of games when they got home. And then it kind of all went away last night. And I'm interested to see how they respond against Oklahoma city. Uh, if, if, you know, cause they, they, they will have Aiden back this time who they didn't have last time. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I wonder how that game's going to go. And I, I have, you know, I'm afraid it could continue. It could get back to where the team has been for the majority of 2024, which has been the worst team in the league. Yeah, that back-to-back, that Oklahoma City-Houston back-to-back could be. Because Houston, like, Houston's not, like, they're, like, a borderline, like, play-in team. Like, they're decent. But that's a team that plays hard and, you know, has has – you know that's not going to be a walkover team. Not that and any really, team the Blazers they're, play they're really should be good at home. Right. Not that any team the Blazers play should be viewed as a walkover team. Even you know they end this road trip against San Antonio, who you know you saw what happened uh, the two times they played uh, last month here in Portland. The game that Wemby played in, the Blazers got run out of the building, and the game that Wemby didn't play in, the Blazers won because they were the only team that actually had NBA players on the court. And they still almost lost. And they still almost lost that game, which I think gets lost in the mm-hmm. shuffle. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like we. I had you know, I was doing the AP gamer that night, and I had I thought I had written my story, and then I had to start like writing sentences just in case the Spurs came back because I think they cut it to like six, yeah, or, like six within like, and you know they they made some plays at the end to win the game, but and and put it out of reach, and I think still win by double digits, but it was not a, a a great win by any stretch i mean i think that pacers game was probably their best win um easily their best win because it was you know the pacers with and i know i realized this, this was the first game that pascal played since the trade got there so it's going to take some time for them to but it's like this was the pacers that had siakam they had halliburton back from the injury they had their guys and the blazers pretty much outplayed them the whole game and and that's against a team that, you know, the Blazers, a team like this should have no business beating. And, you no, know, they, I think, beat, I, they beat full strength sack the night before at Sacramento. Yeah. Like they, they had just come off a really good win for them. And then they lost to the Blazers. Like that, that was a good, good win by Portland. But, you know, those performances have been few and far between. I can really only think of a few off the top of my head that I would qualify as good wins. It's like that one, the Sacramento one right after Christmas uh that the indie one in indie and the, Cle- the, Cle- the and the cleveland one too well, that was one of the all- ugliest games i've ever watched and they, they came back from down big for that one but i but i mean yeah I, I mean cleveland's good so like i guess yeah but like you're really not looking at a whole lot like a lot of the wins that they've had were like spurs without wemby two against brooklyn who you know that's a whole other like that team is not. oh my god that team is so bad i can't believe uh, i can't believe people out there are like trying that it's just because they play in new york it's the and, they, and it's the prestige zone 
And, you know, they have a great broadcast. They have Iron Eagle. They have Richard Jefferson. They have Sarah Kustak. You know, they have a great broadcast. It's really well done. Jay-Z but used they, to own part of Jay-Z them. Jay-Z used to own them. But they suck, man. Like, and they beat the Lakers the other night. But again, the Lakers also like, suck. <laughs> the Lakers are also not very good. Like, I was watching NBA today, and right on the heels of beating the Blazers by a zillion, they're talking about, well, is LeBron going to want to stay long term? He's got a player option. They're really bad. They don't look like they're going to be a contender. And it's like, so even for the Lakers, like that win the other night was not very good. And I think the, the loss to Brooklyn, who is really bad, was probably more alarming to the state of the Lakers than, you know, anything else. And I think, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is really bad, man. Like, like, and I think, I mean, Macau Bridges is very good, but I think this season has kind of proven that he's, you know, honestly, if we want to get, if we want to play a little money, money quarterback, Blazers probably got saved from themselves, and 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 I think, and GM Dame, from wanting Macau Bridges because, if he was the second best player on this team, I don't think it, we would. Just, it would just be the same thing that they've been doing for the entire Dame era, and it wouldn't have been good enough. And we would just been sitting here a year later talking about trading Dame, except they would have had Macau Bridges instead. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that I think that stuff gets you know there's a little bit of a different thing just because Scoot has not been I think what people thought he was going to be from day one. But no, I would I t- I th- I think the way I think ultimately the way that everything shook out was the way that it should have shaken out. Yes, and I'm going to be which, very which is interested cr- in yeah. You know we're we're recording this on Monday. It's coming out on Tuesday, so we're a little bit over a week away from the Milwaukee game. And I am just very, very interested in how that goes, both on the court and also just everything around it. I mean, I, I mean, I have no doubts that everyone's going to give Dame so much love. It's going to be a standing ovation. It's going to be a, you know, a tribute video. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I, I mean, I, I think he deserves a hero's welcome. And like, uh, but I do think at a certain level, like. given the moves that they had on the table to potentially make, I don't know if, you know, maybe they're, you know, I guess the one thing I might say just because he's looked really good this year is like maybe Paul George would have been, you know, a a, a potential move there, but I, he's so hurt all the time. I I get why they didn't do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, there's not, not that there's really any point in relitigating this stuff. You know, we did, we did that all summer and, you know, I still think the deal that they ended up making for Dame was the right one, given the options that they had. And, you know, ultimately, I think Dame is going to end up being in a better spot in Milwaukee. Obviously, it's been kind of up and down this year. Their record is pretty good, but there are, you know, they're clearly not, you know, the at vibes the level are, of like a, yeah, Boston the vibes of clearly yeah. a level above them. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of interesting that like, the way that, and this is probably something I'm going to play with in a column, like going into this, but it's like both of the, both the Blazers and Dame probably made the right call ultimately in doing what they did this summer. And ultimately in both cases, it's probably going to work out, but like right now it's not super working out on either side. So it's just going to be really weird to have him come back and, you know, there's going to be the whole tribute video. And it's not like, you know, he goes to the Bucks and they're where the Celtics are at, where they're like clearly looking like the best team in the league and they're just dominating everybody. Like it's still like, 
you know, people think they're going to be pretty good, but it's also like, you know, there's still some questions there and like, you don't know about, you know, the coaching situation, you know, all this I was other gonna, stuff. I was yeah. going to say the, the coaching thing is really the problem for, for the bucks more importantly. Yeah. I like, you know, cause I feel like a lot of, there's been a lot of people that were like, well, was Dame actually the right call? Was it actually an upgrade? Against, yes. It's an upgrade against Drew holiday. Yeah, like, 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 especially for what they need late in games. And I think Middleton has looked really good for them this year. Lopez has still been solid. I think their bench is really the other thing. They like, you know, they're bent, they're just not a very deep team. But the Dame trade didn't. They're not. They're not not deep because of the Dame trade. That was already a problem for them. And so I think the the, the coaching thing is going to be is is really the, the the issue there. And you know what happened with Terry Stotts and, and and things of that nature of him you know having him resigning basically. Um, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see that game, but I think ultimately both both parties in that situation ended up in better situations for the long-term health of each situation. Um, even if, you know, you, every time you turn on a Blazer game, you, you definitely miss Dame. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and, uh, not, not saying that the games are better because they're definitely not. And it's... No, it's they're really rough. not. It, it's rough watching these guys this year. And... Um, it was cool to see that game winner against the Kings, but um, it did it did it, it stung a little bit, and I think a lot of Blazer fans felt that way. Um, but yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see. And I mean, Portland, I will say, in 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 Milwaukee, Portland was up by what twenty eight and, and lost that Boy, game. If, they, I mean, if the Blazers win that game, like if they win that game, Adrian Griffin might not be getting back on the plane with the Bucks. Yeah. Like, like if Dame has to feel a loss as a visitor in, in, I mean, not that he's making the call, but no, somebody um, else is making the call. Yeah. So, so somebody else, uh, if you will, if you will, on that note, <laughs> on that note, uh, th- uh, this has been the first episode of the Rose Garden Report podcast 2.0, Eric, uh, everybody go subscribe to the blazer banter uh sub stack if you haven't already it's you know for w- when you do write it's great stuff it's always it's always really insightful it's always really you know it's a good compliment to kind of what i do uh and other than that you know we'll be back later this week with a exclusive episode for the sub stack subscribers so make sure you go to rosegardenreport.com slash subscribe sign up for oregon sports writer oregon sports writer of the year sean hyken of- rose garden report some have said that, is- that. Yes, that's actually, yeah, that's, that's, I haven't talked about that on here yet. Yeah. That was very, very cool to get that uh, honor. I actually knew about it for a couple weeks before they announced it, but you know, I was very, I was very, I was, when I found out I was nominated, I had no expectations of winning it. And so I was very pleasantly surprised when I did. So, you know, I appreciate all of my readers and subscribers and listeners and everybody that likes what I do enough to, you know, I don't, I had nothing to do with getting nominated for that award. I had nothing to do with like voting for me to win that award. So I don't, I, I don't know whose decision that was, but somebody must like what I'm doing. So I, I, I appreciate that from everybody. Yeah. Well, as, as a subscriber, I definitely love what you're doing. And yes, tell your friends if they like the Blazers and they want to get some real actual knowledge and insight to follow you and subscribe to the Rose Garden Report because uh, it is a one of one uh, in this market for sure. And one of the only, you know, uh, 
one of the best only beats going on in the entire NBA. So uh, if you like the league and want to learn more about, you know, stuff that's going on, I think is following Sean, whether you're a Blazer fan or not, it is super important. But thank you for having me on. I always love coming on and talking. And yes. Uh, we'll do this have- again before the, before, well, probably, I think, I think probably are I you're you're gonna come on after the trade deadline once we see what they do that's gonna I think that's the plan I've got I've got guests kind of penciled in for like the next couple weeks but after the trade deadline we're gonna get back on here and just you know break everything down yes I'm I'm very very excited for for post trade deadline and you know we'll see what Brogdon you know returns and and that's gonna be more to the the Dame trade return Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I've heard in certain spots, you know, you, you hear from some people that it wasn't enough, but well, it's not over yet. Well, so it's, I, think, I mean, I mean, you know, who can say? Who can say? But, you know, those people are addicted to lost causes. So we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on. All right. So, so we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.